0: Hello, it's Brody. I love bringing mummification to you each week and if you'd like to support me to keep doing that, you can make a once-off donation through the Acast supporter feature. There's no regular subscription and your donation will help pay our music licence, buy audio gear and put fuel in my car so I can keep interviewing the amazing women who share their stories with us. There's a link in the show description and episode show notes.
1: Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live.
0: Hello and welcome to Mummification. I'm your host, Brody Mattner. This podcast is a space for women and parents to talk about how they're feeling. And sometimes they feel like swearing. So this episode may not be suitable for young ears. Thank you
2: for talking with me. Thanks for talking with me. <laughs>
0: Christy Whelan-Brown. Um, you're an actor and musical theatre performer and new mum to 15-week-old Duke.
2: 16, yesterday, 16. yeah. Happy 16 weeks. I know.
0: <laughs> um, So I ask everyone the same first question. Mm-hmm. If you were stuck on a desert island and you could take one meal and one drink and one personal item, what would they be?
2: Uh, the drink would be a margarita, Ooh. definitely. Um, the meal is... I'd probably like get McDonald's or something to go with my margarita and a personal item I guess I'd take my phone um, oh that's a good one <laughs> can't live without my phone sadly <laughs> sad but true yeah phone
0: good um congratulations on you thank you how are you
2: I'm pretty good t- you've caught me on a good day good um I I Rowan went out, that Rowan's my husband, he went out on Monday to visit a friend and took Duke. And so I had like four hours on my own. I had all these plans of what I was gonna do. I was gonna get my nails done and I was gonna have a massage. But instead I just slept the whole time. Good. And so now that's given me like a couple of days booster, you know. <laughs> so I feel almost normal. Um yeah, so today's a good day. But yeah, being a mum is so overwhelmingly uh, joyous and difficult at the same time. Yep. And we were just saying before we got on the mics that you know you can have the hardest day with them, and then one little smile is enough to erase all the hard. Uh, and I guess they design it that way so that we survive. We all <laughs> survive. But yeah, I think I I'm always sh- I was really shocked when I was pregnant at how people would say oh my god it's so hard and like oh wait till this and good luck with this and you know it was I was sort of like why are people like that and now I understand they were just trying to warn me they were
0: trying to be helpful yeah at the time it doesn't feel very helpful
2: no and but it's also really hard to disguise like there's a guy at my work who's having a baby and I took him in some baby clothes and He's so excited. He's in that, you know, in three months we'll have a baby and I'm there with my eyes hanging out of my head trying to find something positive to say and it was really hard and I could see him sort of looking at me like, you know, looking for some reassurance and I didn't have it to give him. Maybe that's why people... Give you that fear factor going in because that, that that's all they can give. Well, <laughs>
0: you're really honest on social media about it, and it isn't always easy, and a lot of the time it's really hard. Yeah. Um, was that a conscious decision to be really open about it?
2: Well, I, I mean, I I think it's hmm. it's a tough one to to answer because i because Duke was so hard fought for yes. being an i v f baby and everyone knew how hard I'd fought for him, I almost felt bad being honest that people would think I was being ungrateful and so i really i, I try to be honest with humor because that is how how I'm feeling it's not like I'm here crying and you know yeah. some sometimes I am, <laughs> but you know i I'm trying to be honest about how hard it is while using humour because that's just the way – that's just the truth. Like it's – I'm not very good at at being dishonest. So, yeah, that's just how it is.
0: I think it would be – I think everyone would be much better off if we were all more open about it Mm. Um, because it's – you said recently how, um, you know, there's a lot of pressure on mums to enjoy every moment. Yeah. Um, And you do, of course, you love a lot of it, but a lot of it's also really hard. Mm. And I feel like if we were more open about that, like you're being, that it would make new mums feel more okay about how hard it is. Yeah. Because I think we – I beat myself up when I'm Mm. having a hard day. Yeah. You know, why aren't I loving every second and why can't I just enjoy it and what's wrong with me? Mm. Um, But, of course – because when you have to give your entire body over to some tiny human, mm. it takes a lot out of you.
2: Of course. And and I think people, uh, what I wrote in that post as well, is people who've been there before, it, they're the ones who say enjoy it and they're the ones who say it goes so fast and you know they won't be tiny like this for very long. And they're so right. But in that moment, in that sad moment when you've been awake for 24 hours and your boobs are on fire and your episiotomy scar is throbbing, like (laughs) you don't have to enjoy that moment. No. But but the thing I learned and it was the same throughout pregnancy is every moment will pass. It feels like it's forever but, you know, in two weeks you'll be like, oh, I remember when he couldn't do a poo and it was like the worst thing that ever happened to us. Yes. But, yeah, things are ever evolving and changing and getting – better or harder or easier you know it's just a constant moving beast yeah (laughs) beast exactly
0: um you've had several surgeries for endometriosis Mm -hmm. um, and then you had three rounds of IVF before you had Duke yep um you were told you had one percent chance of conceiving naturally yep was that in part due to endometriosis?
2: It was in part, but mostly because I had a very low egg count. Okay. Just um, there was no rhyme or reason for that. It was just they said a genetic thing that, mm. you know, we're born with a certain amount of eggs. And um, I, yeah, I'd never fallen pregnant, you know, by accident or, yeah. you know, or when I was um, young and taking more risks, I guess, uh, it had just never happened and I had this feeling that it was not going to happen for me. Mm. And actually when I met Rowan, I, sa- I said to him, I just feel like I may never be able to have kids. Um, that was just an instinctual thing. It was before I even knew I had endometriosis. Mm. So he, he was always very reassuring and, you know, said will be enough and whatnot. But then it got to a point where it was something I – well, then I found out for sure that there was a very low chance and that put everything into perspective and made me realise how badly I wanted to make that happen. Mm. Which, you know, imagine how many women out there feel that way and say, no, I really want this to happen, I'm going to do whatever it takes, It's and it still doesn't happen. Yeah. The fact that Duke is here is a complete miracle. He was our one embryo. He was a low-grade embryo. You know, I don't, I don't ever take that for granted because I know there's so many women out there who they – they don't get that miracle.
0: Mm. And how long did you try before you started IVF?
2: I think three years. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also with my job, you know, I, I work in contracts. And so to have surgery, you know, the, there wasn't a lot of openings for that. So mm. I would always have my endo surgeries where I had literally like three or four days to recover. And. Oh. It, yeah, that was so stupid. But that was all I could ever – so th- my, I knew that I was going to start an IVF um, cycle once I'd had the surgery. And you have to wait, I, I think, a few weeks or whatever. And they flushed my tubes and then we were going to give it a go. Um, yeah, so – I forget the question because my brain's um, gone dead. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Mine too. Um, I asked how long you you answered it. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, and so um, how did having endometriosis and then going through IVF on top of the three years of trying, um, how did that contribute to your sense of self and identity before you got pregnant?
2: Oh, it was it was a, um, a real kick in my womanhood Mm. and then like a not femininity but like a a a real um yeah I I don't even know the word womanhood's all I can think of because it's like that's um that reproductive part of being a woman just wasn't working and Mm -hmm. it it wasn't responding and it and I've always had sort of lots of health issues Uh, I've had chronic fatigue syndrome when I was 18 um I've had like surgery hip surgery and you know lots of injuries I'm I'm quite a sickly person plus the endo um and so my body's never really done what it was supposed to do Mm. so I think I I didn't have much faith in it anyway there's Duke waking up. up husband can go and get him um yeah I didn't have a lot of faith in my body to do what it was supposed to do, so when um after the endo surgery, I felt sort of a bit of hope and then it didn't happen and then mm. first round of i v f it was it was a really shit round um they pulled the trigger too early and I ovulated, and you know I'd taken all that medication and had to s- just you know give up and start again the next month um So that was pretty brutal. But throughout the whole time I was pretty hard on myself and I was pretty upset about what I had to do to my body to make it do what it was Mm. supposed to do because, again, I was working. I think I was working on Neighbours. And, you know, my skin broke out in the most horrific acne, like pimples that were like boils and my stomach was just a pin cushion and it was so bloated and you know you're on camera it was so yeah. exposing i just felt i just felt like shit and um the disappointment of it not working you know that second time i think when i woke up he said we got one egg but it doesn't look good we'll let you know later you know and he that doctor straight away said i think we need to look to, at another avenue you know other eggs someone else's eggs mm. and we'd never we never thought about that before, and that was really hard to think. I think that was the saddest part for me is that I had to accept that I may never have a baby that was born of the love of, you know, me and Rowan. Yes. Not sorry, not the love because it would still have been from the love, but th- from my body and Rowan's body. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if I'm answering the question. No, questions. you are. You are. They're <laughs> really
0: they're not little questions.
2: I right, go on tangent.
0: <laughs> um. And so how do, you, how do you feel about your body now that you carried Duke and you birthed him mm. and you're feeding him? Yeah. Um, how, now how is your relationship with your body?
2: So I'm just so – I was amazed. Every scan, every step of the pregnancy I was shocked that – that they would say he's growing perfectly. He's you know got all his limbs. He's got all his fingers and toes, and his heart's there beating. And I, I just, it was the first time in my life really that my body had had shown up and done exactly what it was supposed to do, and created this perfect little baby. And yeah, my my, my gratitude for my body, but also um, my amazement at, at women and their and what they do is just
0: I felt like a powerhouse yeah. after I gave birth the first time absolutely like yeah I was like I carried you <laughs> and I grew you and then I pushed you out um, and why won't you go to sleep <laughs> yeah, like, I, I did all, all that for you, you. wouldn't you do yeah. this for me One thing. <laughs> um yeah and it's it's amazing but I imagine that was quite complicated for you because you'd had a really complex relationship with your body mm up to that point
2: yeah I but it it, it was quite healing I guess from Mm. for all of that
0: and has becoming a mum been what you expected
2: um initially I found it really I've never really been a baby person Mm. like I've I've been quite uncomfortable around small babies like I have nieces and nephews and and even still, when my brother would call and say, "Can you look after one of the girls?" I'd say, "Well, have they done a poo? I'll come once they've done a poo because I can't change the nappy." And you know, when my nieces would just look at me loving, lovingly and say, "I want you to take me to the toilet or whatever," I'd be just like not coping with it. But I, I loved them with all my heart. But I was—I there was lots I wasn't prepared for. Um. And also, I, I feel like I'm quite a capable person mm. um, in my work life and socially, and l- lots of ways. I'm I'm very capable. But as soon as he arrived, I didn't feel capable anymore. I felt really unsure of every move I was making, and if I couldn't settle him, I felt really um, out of my depth and mm. really afraid. Like I, I, there was a period there quite a long period where him waking up would I would be afraid you know I'd be anxious because I'd be like I don't know if I can give him what it is he needs I mean I knew I had food that I could give him but we had trouble breastfeeding as well so I didn't know if he was going to latch I didn't know if if he you know he stru- struggled pooing for for you know like two months so every poo it was like you know the this fight of our life was <laughs> to get this poo out um so, yeah, it, it's taken me probably, you know, to three months where I stopped feeling that fear of him waking up.
0: Yeah, that's really that's – I'd not thought about that. <laughs> but it's like um, someone explained it to me. It's, you know, you you you're excellent at your job and you tie all of these bits of your identity to your work and your social life and your marriage and all of these things. Yeah. And then – literally overnight all of that's taken away and you're given this new job and you've got no idea how to do it yeah it doesn't matter how much anyone has warned you Mm. you don't know how to do it the the, the consequences are huge if you fuck it up yeah and the person you're looking after can't tell you anything (laughs) it's like oh i don't help
2: yeah it's it, it's really full on, it's a real challenge, and that's that's okay. I wasn't afraid of a challenge, but I didn't like feeling like you know that that thing that they they tell you that instinctually you'll know your motherly instinct will kick in. Yeah, I was I don't know. like I was like, just you know s- <laughs> I was searching for that instinct, and it was just like a you know tumbleweed. there was nothing um but it's grown over yes. time thank god
0: it's a nice feeling when you feel like you're getting to figure each other out yeah a little bit yeah um but we without our first she couldn't poo and we used to have to put her in the car at 11 p.m and drive all <laughs> night and and we thought it was normal yeah you know yeah but everyone else's normal is their own yeah and so i think that's That's tricky too because I assumed that everyone had to go for drives all night. (laughs) (laughs) You were like, what what roads are they taking? Because I can't see them. How's the the shift in your marriage been? Because I imagine that if you focus so heavily on getting pregnant Mm. and um, I I don't know because we didn't go through IVF, um, so please correct me if I say anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I imagine that there is a a lot of pressure and a lot of strain within your relationship. Yeah. And there's a lot of focus on becoming pregnant. And then now that you've had Duke, of course new babies take up all of your focus all over again. Yeah. How are you guys navigating that shift within your marriage?
2: Yeah, well I really felt for Rowan during the trying time you know the Mm. trying to conceive time because the man that pressure on a man Mm. and especially when I was you know so just full of hormones I was an absolute beast I know that I was a monster and I I talk about this one day I don't know if I have ever said it publicly but I'd had this full day at Neighbours and um I got home. It was like eight PM. You know, it was a. It was a. I was freezing. I'd, he he ran me a bath, and I got out and I put on this big gray jumper hoodie, and you know I was all rugged up. And I was like, "We have to have sex because I'm ovulating," and he was like, "Okay." He never ever once <laughs> said no, like ever. And I was like, he was like, "Okay," so you know we're. <laughs> It's happening and I I was like, how are you going? Yeah, that's how I was asking. It's basically like, are you ready yet? And he was like, maybe if you take off the jumper. <laughs> and I was control. like, if you ask me to choose between a baby and this jumper, I choose the jumper. <laughs> Hurry up. I like, fuck, he had, he had this pressure on him to to get there when, when a hormonal – pimply beast is sitting there in her grey jumper. Have sex with me. Hurry up about it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I really, it was very hard on him. Um, And actually when I went to my first mother's group, they were all sort of talking about how hard their husbands were adjusting. Mm. But actually it was quite the opposite for us. Rowan took to being a dad like... There's this photo of Duke the second he came out, and Rowan was holding him, and they just they've had this bond from the get go. And mm. I was, I was struggling to feed, so my time with him initially was spent with him just screaming and a and, and, uh, midwife squeezing my boob. And how weird is that? When they're like, "Can yeah. I milk you?" Yeah,
0: and they like, come up and just like start squeezing your boob. And, and they like, did
2: it. It's Whoa. like, yeah, I'm Christy. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I felt like my time with Duke was quite difficult, and mm. then I'd look over, and he and Rowan were just like lovingly looking at each other, and I was thinking, I felt like the you know left left out cow over in the corner, you know, just there, um, trying to get colostrum into a syringe. Um. Ready to pop the question. yeah so I think Rowan took to fatherhood very quickly and and easily, but yeah Rowan and I have had a very we've had been together thirteen years and we've had a long time of it just being us mm. and and we're quite you know we're actors we're we're self involved people <laughs> selfish sometimes so um there's been you know quite a few. Debates over who, which one of us is more tired than the other. You know, which one of us got more, more or less sleep last night, and um it's more that I just miss my time with him. Yeah, you know, that's my,
0: that's really hard. Yeah,
2: because at eight thirty p.m., Duke's been asleep for an hour, but I'm like, if I don't go to sleep now, my he's gonna wake up at nine thirty. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that would be my time with Rowan at the end of the day, but. Yeah. You know, I have to go to sleep. Sometimes I stay awake and regret it for, you know, 2 weeks later because I've had no sleep, but yeah, we miss we miss our time to, and our life together. My parents came over the other day and we went out to brunch with a friend and we went to the bond's outlet <laughs> sale, you know, that was our big day out mm. and it, it is like you steal time where you can and um But it puts a lot of pressure and I I have said to Rowan, I see why this would break people and break their marriages because there's there's not enough left in the tank to give to the marriage what you once did.
0: No, and I had another girlfriend who um, has a now nine-month-old and she said to me, we can't We don't talk. Mm. Like we say half a sentence to each other and then we're interrupted. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, how do you maintain your relationship? Mm. Um, And I absolutely don't have all the answers but I think how we've done it is like you – you shift your expectations. Well, we we've shifted our expectations. Mm. So instead of being able to go out for a, a meal or a day or a trip, oh my god, could you imagine going away for a weekend? <laughs> I
2: think about it oh, every day. Well,
0: well, we do too. We just have this like <laughs> fantasy land of, of going to um the lake house in Dalesford. Yes, and just just sitting in our room or going to breakfast. Mm. That's it. <laughs> um, but you, we, we've shifted our expectations so that. Instead of having the big, nice moments, they just come in like micro yeah. micro moments. Yeah. And they just sort of have to add up to be enough mm. until you can get some more time.
2: Yeah. And I think, like, I've tried to be considerate of what would help. You know, I could see Rowan sort of um straining his neck, you know, you know trying to stretch it out because holding a baby all the time mm. – you know, so I, I got him a massage to come to the house. You know, a small gesture like that yes. will will keep your marriage yeah. alive. Goes a long this way. Time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and you've returned to work on Matt's as Hell. Yeah. How's that been?
2: It's been really like I couldn't have asked for a better job to go back to because they're very accommodating and it's a fun job. And, it's, yeah, the first couple of weeks was very stressful but now it's like – I go to work to have a rest, you know, yeah. and I go to work to, if I need to go to the toilet, I go to the toilet and if someone brings me a coffee, I drink it, you know, and warm and yeah, <laughs> you know, little things like that. Um, but there has been, I have struggled to be back on screen um, so soon past having a baby, you know, when you look, feel you look so tired and your body isn't what you're used to, you know. Sean had me in a white ballet leotard the first week I was back Thanks on screen <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I just, yeah, I didn't feel prepared for that. Mm. But I've tried to be – just last night actually we did a sketch where I ended up letting – I was being a British backpacker, you know, who was – they were pretty skanky, me and Emily Tahini were doing them and we both just let our stomachs hang out over our skirts because it looked really funny and I thought, yeah, this might help me be a um, less vain person <laughs> um, and and the fact, you know, I'll do anything for a laugh so so that sort of helps.
0: <laughs> That's a huge help. Yeah. Um, how did you find leaving Duke?
2: I found it surprisingly easy. Yep. Yeah, everyone was like, how are you going without him? And I was like, I'm okay. okay. <laughs> I'm fine. Like, and then I was really the the one of the first days I was out for I was only out for about 6 hours at work but I came home and I was really excited to see him and he looked at me like he'd never seen me before in his life and I was like fuck <laughs> that is brutal <laughs> That's brutal. I've given you everything. You know, I've milked myself for you and he's like have we met?
0: Yeah, hi, I'm Duke. <laughs> <laughs> um, what excited you the most about going back to work?
2: I think just not feeling, um, just a, not feeling tethered to someone, or you know, even t- tethered to this house. You yes. know, it was, I was, I really felt like I was talking about not feeling capable. I really felt like I'd lost a sense of myself. I lost confidence driving in the car because putting him in the back and car seats are really fucking – I hate car seats. Yeah. They're really complicated. Do you
0: whack their head on yeah.
2: their, Have you done that? Yeah. Or it just for <laughs> no. <laughs> done that. And getting them in and out, it's just really – I just – yeah, that whole car situation. But when I went back to work, there I was burning down Punt Road, you know, Road rage was back intact, and I was like, "I'm me again," you know. It just sort of it just reminded me of who I was, which I think was really helpful. Yes,
0: and you can play loud music. Yeah, it's nice. I do that in the car (laughs) sometimes. Yeah, or
2: just talk to people on the phone. Yeah,
0: without fear of someone waking up Mm, or crying something. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You're, I mentioned before you're really honest and open and very funny on Instagram um, and I'm sure a lot of women really identify with you. Um, have you found making the shift publicly um, from your former fabulous comedic entertainer self to your now fabulous comedic entertainer self mummy, has that been a weird shift for you or and you mentioned before because you'd already shared so much of your personal IVF story and your endo story. Mm. I suppose my my question is: Have you have you noticed a shift in your like Instagram followers or attention that you're getting online because of the the personal shift you've made?
2: No, I, I didn't th- word that very well. Yeah, Sorry. no, I think I know what you're saying, but i I think it's not like um, I I don't. Th- i don't think anyone's following me now because i'm a mum. i think people probably unfollowing me because all i will post is photos (laughs) of my son and i'm like i know that this is boring but he's so cute that i just (laughs) want to keep posting and yeah so i'm probably losing followers (laughs) left right and center actually um and i do feel it's like i i don't have any anything else to post this is all i do all day
0: Right in the thick of it, like 16 weeks is – yeah. You, that's like the trenches. It's <laughs> yeah, totally,
2: <laughs> totally. It's not like I have any like glam photos or, you know, especially mad as hell, all we do is dress up and, in, you know, look ugly or dress up like a man. <laughs> or, so it's not like there's much content that I've got up my sleeve.
0: <laughs> well, is there, anything, um, is there anything you really want to get off your chest – or get out there about being a mum? Mm. I mean, you do it really online anyway.
2: Um, I think it's – I think that I did put this on my Instagram but the thing I didn't realise is how much support mums need. Yes. And I, you know, I would do shows with people, plays or musicals, with mums of young toddlers mm. and I would have the nerve to complain to them that I was tired, you know, after my 14 hours sleep and bath <laughs> before coming to work and massage or whatever I wanted to do. I had no idea what they were going through. Yeah. So that that's what I want to say is, mums, I see you and if you're not yet a mum, I think, I mean, it, there's no point even saying Give them extra love or whatever, because you cannot know unless you've lived it. I don't think.
0: Yeah, I've I've had a couple of girlfriends say to me, "I am so sorry mm. now that they've had their first. Yeah. Um, they've said, I'm, "I thought I was supportive when you had Marley." Yeah, and I just had no idea. But you can't. No. And it's like now when I go and see new mums, I bring them food. I bring food they can put in their freezer yep. and that's my baby gift to you. Absolutely. <laughs>
2: like... And that you can't know. You can't no. know what, what a help that is. Like, yeah, people sh- who showed up here with food were my favourite kind of people. <laughs> um, because getting to the end of a day with a new baby and then thinking, what are we going to have for dinner? That, no, it's impossible.
0: Absolutely. You need a freezer stash.
2: Yeah. It's important and someone gave us uber Eats vouchers oh, that that's was, good. yeah and and a uh, um, hello fresh voucher things yes. like that that they were all parents because they knew this is what these two are going to need and yeah I th- so yeah I think you can't know but just um, the support that is needed is is huge
0: it's huge and I think a, a big part of it um, for me is don't don't ask me. Mm. what I need because then I then it's my responsibility That's to tell right. you what I just do something I yeah. don't care what it is mm. bring me food or put a load of washing on or just hold my baby for a minute yeah like just don't ask me what you yeah need. no
2: exactly because I will always say oh no 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 no, it's fine, it's fine. I'll, I'll let me get you a cup of tea um but Rowan of no, that thought's gone already um <laughs> Yeah, sorry. No, I've got sorry no I was going to say a girlfriend of mine came over and she said, everyone asks to hold the baby, but I need a hug. Oh. And I was like, oh, I I totally get that. You know, you're you're absolutely depleted. Yes. And someone comes and it's all like, oh, look at the baby, man. <laughs> and you look like an old, you know, it's just been through the dryer. <laughs> and. Yeah, I understand what she means, although I would never let anyone hug me because I probably hadn't had a shower and I probably <laughs> i seeing- just leak if someone hugged
0: <laughs> exactly. me. Exactly. Don't <laughs> squeeze me too hard or I'll wet your chest.
2: I <laughs> uh- had it um, um, just when my milk came in, very, very early on, my mum and my cousin were coming over and something happened and it all got pushed and they were coming earlier. And so I'd I was... I don't even know where the baby was. I don't know what happened, but they anyway. They opened the door, and there I was, just these Pamela Anderson boobs and blood dripping down my legs, and just in the nude, you know, just looking at them like, (laughs) you know, it looked like a crime scene that they'd come in on. Um, But yeah, that's another thing. Never just show up on a new mum. Oh no. Ever.
0: Also, where possible don't change the time.
2: Never. Don't change the time.
0: No, you come when you're coming and also don't stay for longer than an hour.
2: Do not stay for longer than an hour and start winding up at 50 minutes so that you're <laughs> out the door on the hour. <laughs> do. People I'm, would say to me, they would all say, every visitor would come and say, oh, are you just having visitors non-stop? And I was like, you're, you're one of them. <laughs> you're you're here and they're like, Oh, people just not leaving. Yeah, yeah you, you. <laughs> get out of my house. It's like you want the
0: support and you want you wanna see people and you want them to come and make it easy for you. But also often it's really hard because you yeah. have to fucking feed them or give them tea and then you've got dishes to do after
2: that. (laughs) I know. It's like,
0: oh, it's such, I feel like so much of being a mum is a double-edged sword. Yeah. Because you're really happy about it but also can you just get out.
2: Yeah. And that's why when my mum comes, she just starts. She puts the washing on, she starts the cleaning. It's so, I haven't done a lot of washing for, you know, weeks because she comes every Tuesday when I go to work and she does the washing. And it's just, it's. it might sound like nothing, but to oh get no, to huge. a load of washing is, like, no. No. <sighs>
0: um, my final question to you is, is there something that someone said to you or something that you would now say to a new mum that's empowering?
2: There is a number you can call for a group called Panda and... If you're feeling low or like worthless or helpless or lonely, you know, you can call them and there is someone there on the other end at any time who can help you. And I think that's um, actually our mutual friend told me about Panda and I just passed that on to someone else this morning on Twitter who said they were feeling like they had postnatal depression. I mean you're so flooded with hormones emotions um navigating this new world and you're not going to feel amazing all the time no and it's okay and there's people there that can help you because I, even sometimes your partner can't help no one, maybe yeah. no one in that moment can really help um in the way that i there's a you know an anonymous phone number you can call that where someone's going to listen to you and and help you I think it's yeah it's really beneficial
0: I didn't know about them
2: oh, good <laughs> so it's,
0: it's not too thank late you.
2: give them a call <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: thank you very much for chatting with me today thank you Duke the, is getting sick of <laughs> in his room we can let him <laughs> out now. he's like let me
2: <laughs> let me come out he's hungry thank you so much oh thank you good luck with the podcast thanks
0: a big thank you to Christy Whelan Brown for chatting with me today There's a link in the show notes to Panda, Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Australia. As Christy mentions, uh, they've got a hotline and they're an excellent resource if you feel you need some support. Mummification is produced and hosted by me, Brody Matner. Our beautiful music is composed by Ben Talbot-Dunn. If you're enjoying the show, please rate, review and subscribe. You'll be notified when a new episode is released and it helps us reach new audiences, which in turn will hopefully help more women feel less alone. Thanks for listening.